Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. You are listening to the Dope Black Moms Podcast. I'm delighted to be here with PJ Murray, founder of Pride Magazine and author and Dope Black Dad. Welcome to the podcast. Nina, thank you very much for having me here. We've been trying to do this for a while, so I really appreciate um, the time and actually getting to do this. So thank you for giving up um, a bit of your evening. Ah, you're welcome. I wanted to talk about A Little Way Different. Um, and I suppose really everything to do with Pride magazine, because that's how I know you. I think back in the day, I might have actually been in Pride magazine, if I um, oh, really? remember correctly. I, th- I think so. Wow. Yeah, I think like, I mean, I'm, I'm, t- <laughs> I'm talking a while Must back. Must have been a while back, a while right? Back. Yes, definitely a while Was back. Was it in the 90s so, or in the 2000s? Okay, let's let's not get too let's not get too into the nitty gritty of the dates. Uh, okay, um, I actually <laughs> I actually don't remember, but I'm sure I'm sure I did it, and yeah. it was an amazing magazine, yeah. and um, it was actually a real honour mm. to be to be in it. So, first of all, a little way different. Congratulations! Thank you. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about? I suppose the mission of the book, what you want readers to get from it, and um, how it came about off the back of the uh launch of the uh my biography called self-made uh by myself of course pj Mayer, which i had uh, launched a few years back um and i've realized pretty quickly almost that um there's a certain section of um our audience if you like who would prefer to listen to an audio rather than to read a physical book and so I decided when I had time, what I'll do is I will actually do an audio book, which is the mm-hmm. audio version to the paperback of my biography called Self Made. And um, yeah, so that's why I decided to do the audio. And with regards to the actual title, I thought, well, a few years on, um, I've, got a, I've got an opportunity now to actually review the title and um, perhaps. Um, Changed, changed the title specifically for the um, marketplace in terms of those who um, listen to audiobooks. And then I, and then we came up with the title, A Little Way Different. This time we'll just do things a little way different in terms of bringing okay. um, um, a cinematic approach to the audio that, um, is it, that is a little way different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the book talks about your relationship with your single mother um, and kind of relationship relationships with women in your life. What what sort of effect did, well, I suppose, well, sorry, let me start again. It feels like it, it, these women had a profound effect on you. Are there any lessons that keep recurring from these women in your life? Like anything that, I don't know, a few lessons that have just really stayed with you or that have, I don't know, that have grounded you or that you've kind of, um, I suppose, that you want people to take away from? 
Um, I guess very early on, I very, I think, I think for me, a that consistent theme is um, women um, want security, and you know they should actually have security, whether they create security themselves or they form, you know, or that's done, or that's done jointly, or that is, or that is provided for them. I think that's one thing I've like recognised with the girls, so, uh, women throughout my life is that security for them is um is quite important mm. Mm. and is that something you've is that important to you in your in your parenting in your in your kind of i don't know your fatherhood mentoring role is that something yeah well i think as a man you know um you know, your fundamental role, you know, as being a man is you're going to um, provide for your family. You're going to provide for those around you. You know, you're going to lead, guide and direct those around you. And you're going to provide protection for those around you. So I think, you know, when it comes to um, protection, that for me anyway, that's, um, that's a fundamental part of um, being a man when you are able to provide and protect those around you. And especially, you know, you know, the women in your life, be it your, you know, be it your mother, your wife, your sisters or your daughters. So what sort of feedback have you had from these themes? Anything that you can you can share with us? The actual uh, paperback uh, when it was launched. Um, yeah, the publicity around that was. Um, was pretty mainstream at the time, you know, I'd done the radio and the TV and um you know the sales have been quite strong um since since launch i think it's like three years back now um even up to like now you know copies are still being sold for that but you know i, I just thought that you know the way in which um uh, we're going through this digital age um the, the release of an audiobook will just you know, keep the energy going but you know but it will reach a different group to those people who, uh, you know, who rather take a book to bed and read it. And then you've got those people who rather listen to an audio as they're going about their day-to-day business. And so, you know, preaching two groups. Have you noticed a difference between the physical book and the audio book? Yeah, I noticed that those, I noticed that it tends to be um, the generation in their sort of like, you know, 40s plus, you know, that sort of like gravitate towards, you know, the paperback the actual, you know, physical book itself. And I tend to find that those, you know, who are sub 40, you know, tend to gravitate towards the uh, mm. audio. Mm. So I definitely think it's generational. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I saw the kind of the biog and the, the tagline. Do you feel comfortable with juvenile gangster? That feels like such a, a heavy, just such um, divert, like, heavy words does that feel I don't know is that something is that how you would describe yourself no not at all but that's what I was at that time during my teenage mm-hmm. life um I'm not going to sugarcoat it I was a juvenile yeah. gangster and did the things that you you know you know did the things that defined me as such or described mm-hmm. such into the self-made success story yeah that was my time then mm-hmm. and that's you know I'm going to own it. That's um, who I was at that mm, time. Mm. 
from that time, are there any lessons that you've taken into parenthood or maybe any parents that are listening who are finding it challenging raising teens, like any advice that you could pass on? Because um, it's, 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 it's typically quite a stressful time having tweens or teens. So anything that anybody could have said to you at that time that would have been useful, or that would have been helpful, that you think would have kind of got through to you, that you would have listened to? I don't know, because I was quite, you know, I, I've quite, I'm quite an intense right. individual and I'm quite a committed, right. I'm quite a committed, you know, uh, mm-hmm. person. And once I've made my That's mind, it. I'm sort of like committed in the direction that, Okay. Well, if there was something that you'd listen to, if there was something you could say now to your younger self, to the the juvenile young gangster self, is there anything that you'd want to say? I really don't know because look, I mean, I I do I take a complete one hundred percent ownership of mm-hmm. my past, and and everything that I've gone through has like led me to where mm-hmm. I am today, and you know I'm very. I'm so sincerely happy in the place mm-hmm. that I am today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's nothing that I've got, there's no, there's no regrets on the past and there's nothing to change about the past or review or reconsider or mm-hmm. rethink because, you know, it's everything that I did do and, and even the things that I did not do led has led me now. to where I am today. Yeah. And I'm in a, honestly, I'm in a fantastic right. place right now. So yeah. That's you know. good. That's good to hear. Yeah. Well, I suppose just any advice being in this space now that you may pass on to parents with teenagers who are just struggling to connect, maybe. I mean, being a parent myself, mm. you know, um, yeah, I'm a parent now for uh, three um, who are now all in their twenties? Yeah. Uh, my daughter's just turned. 20, my, my daughter just turned. Congratulations, 21, big uh, A couple of a couple of weeks ago, yeah. My my youngest son he turns twenty five uh, this this weekend, yeah. and my other son turns twenty eight. Big kids, big in A couple kids. of months. For me, I say, you know, you just got to, you just got to, you got to stick with it and just stay with your children. Yeah. You got to stay with your teenagers. You know, they're going to go from some challenges, and they're going they probably just go off, and they probably may go mm-hmm. of course and you just, you just got to have faith and just stay with them you know just conti- just yeah and that's you know just don't give up on your children because if you give up on them then you know that's the end of it yeah it? just don't give up on your children you just got to stay with them throughout their challenges whatever their challenges you know may be you haven't got to agree with what they do you just you just got to stay with them and let them know that you know that that's you're there. it and, um, you know, just lead. Gu- I always say, look, lead, guide, direct and mm. protect. And, lead, you know, guide, direct and protect. And mm. that's, yeah, lead, guide, direct yeah. and protect your family, your children, you know, especially, you know, when they're, you know, when they're going through that period in their life, especially during their teens and early 20s. Mm. They, you know, they need that direction. They will benefit from mm. your wisdom. Just mm. stay with them. And I suppose it's just remembering that in the tough times that's when it's difficult isn't it when it just feels like nothing's working or you kind of not been listened to or it may feel a little bit hopeless just remembering that it is a season it will pass and just just stay the course so what are the main themes you want people to take away 
from the book and the audiobook. There's something in it for everyone. And I, and I, and I don't just say that glibly, like, there mm. really is. Um, I think it's inspirational. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely motivation for those, you know, who know where I'm coming from, you know. Um, you know, I've never, you know, I've never had a father figure in my whole entire mm-hmm. life, you know. Um, but I've, you know, I've, I'm the youngest of five, you know, raised um, in a Christian uh, family, raised a Christian way. Um, my mother came in the came in the Windrush generation, so it was that time in the sixties, you know. Um, and I went into criminality from a very early age, but I was still an industrious mm-hmm. individual at mm-hmm. that age. But I turned out to criminality because I just wanted, you know, that was that was the thing at that time. When I was age 11, I was convicted of possession of, of a firearm. So I was, you know, removed from my mother and taken into care. And that's that really started the criminality and the institutionalization, mm. you know. Um, and that went on for um, that one that went on for a while. You know, I was stabbed age 14 and you know, got a punctured lung. Oh. Um, but at the same time, you know, I fathered. Um, you know, um, my first daughter at that same age, at age 14. So, you know, those years were very, like, intense. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was sort of like late into my teens when I was still going through youth custody uh, uh, um, institutions. And there came a time when I decided that, look, enough was enough. I really want to change mm-hmm. my life. And I was in my, late, I was in my late teens. I think teens. I was like, yeah, surely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was nineteen, and I just decided. That, you know, I've seen a friend of mine. You know, I've seen a very good friend of mine. You know, doing change his life around pretty like uh, um, during his early teens, and and I just decided. That, you know, enough was enough, and I had the right support around me at the time when I made that decision. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know. Um, it didn't take me, I must admit, you know, it didn't take me long to turn my life uh, around because I was, I was committed to the course. And um, I was in that era when um, this was, I was in that Thatcherite era when um, the economy was good and, you know, risk-taking was promoted and celebrated and so forth. Mm. And it was all about being an entrepreneur and, you know, so, and that was a, environment in which I thrive mm. you know um yeah and so you know um but I suppose the the experience I've either somewhat had growing up and even you know being this juvenile gangster and what I'd experienced through that period through that time um although these were some you know very dark and very dark experiences but you know nonetheless you know they you they those experiences supported my turnaround and that's why i just you know i'm not the person to sort of like look back and say with any with like regret because these experiences have led me to the person Absolutely. i am today and yeah and you needed every every moment to get here i suppose so where did pride magazine come into all of this I was in um, Jamaica for the first time. Um, I was 24 years of age at the time. I think it was like 
the end of 1990, I think. Yeah, it must have been, yeah. Yeah, the end of 1990. Actually, I was in, um, I was, I took a friend of mine to, um, to Fort Lauderdale. I used to have an apartment there and I'd go there as often as I could. And, you know, he, we, we ended up down the, not too far from Fort Lauderdale um, in Miami where we, where we was partying and we was um, at this club called the, um, uh, Luke's, which was owned by one of the members from the two live right. crew that rap, that, uh, that rap group. And we were there and, you know, we were chatting up, you know, the girls, you know, as young guys do. will do. And because of our accents, they came around <laughs> us and we were speaking and they asked me what I did for a living. And I proudly said to them, well, I publish a magazine. And they said, oh, right, what sort of magazine do you publish? And I explained to them that this was a magazine that was distributed in four and five star hotels. And it's for, you know, wealthy hotel residents, visitors. And they was just so unimpressed. <laughs> and I can recall. And they said to me, what? And then they said to me, they was expecting me to like say something different or, you know, don't you do anything for your community? Don't you do anything for black people and so forth, et cetera? And I said, like, well, no, this is my magazine. And you know, they just weren't interested. And they sort of like walks off. And like, that, I don't know, that sort of like left, that sort of like left an imprint. That's so interesting. Me. And I didn't realize. Mm. Yeah, I didn't realize. And my friend, and my friend who I, who we, who we'd come to, to um, Miami with, he, he basically suggested that you know, let's go to Jamaica and have some fun. And he goes, Lou, you got, you, you'll really have some fun if you come to Jamaica. Being of Jamaican parentage, I'd not gone to Jamaica. Oh before. wow! I was age twenty-four. Okay. Yeah, you know, I was age twenty-four, and I said, "Fine, right. let's do it." And it's only a couple of yeah, hours. Yeah, of course, from Miami. Yeah. So where did you go when you landed in Jamaica? Yeah. And so we we land we went to Mobay and we went we stayed in we stayed in um, Ochi. And then we, you know we went to um, went to Dunn's nice. River, and um, yeah, I think um, so. Anyway, so. By the time I got to the bottom, I think I started at the top, and by the time I got to the bottom of the river, I just had this epiphany. <laughs> it really just came onto me, and it was like, you know, why don't you like launch this mag? Why don't you launch a mm. magazine and let that magazine speak to black women, Brilliant. black women of color? Yeah. I say women of color, it's like name. We're really talking about black mm. women, and because. Um, and you know, when I literally this epiphany just literally just overtook me as I was descending Dunn's River, and um, you know, I went into story. a boat. <laughs> Believe me, you know, I, I got into a boat and I had some beer, and you know, as they do, you know, the uh, you know the local yep. meds. And um, by the time I came back to shore, the name had got. I, the name literally wow. came to me. Wow, you had pride, pride, you had everything. That's brilliant. Literally. That's brilliant. Literally, yeah. And that literally was, um, you know, how I got the idea with regards to pride. And um, by the time I got back to shore, I knew what the, I literally knew what the Amazing. name would be. And the name would be And, and at the time, yeah. was there anything else catering to black women, like black British women? Um, so you had Ebony Magazine, which was an American, American magazine, yeah. and so yeah, Ebony and you had Essence at the time was also American. Uh, in England at that time, um, you had um, other magazines, um, 
Candice was, you know, catering to black women, and there was a magazine called Black Hair and yeah. Beauty. And before, you know, uh, before that, there was a magazine called Root right. Magazine. But Pride felt like it was covering and, um, Black Hair and Beauty was kind of really just covering beauty. But Pride was very yeah, specialist. Pride yeah. felt more open, didn't it? And it and it it right. it yeah. felt like it spoke. Pride was very much general. Yeah, it really, really spoke. It was to very everybody. much general. Yeah. yeah, that's such a legacy. And yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, I had no idea. I mean, we, I mean, we launched Pride in um, in March. So in May, May um, nineteen ninety one, um, and I had the idea for Pride in December. Wow. Literally the end of December nine. Literally the end of December nineteen ninety. Mm. When I was in Jamaica, um, and I, I think there's like probably approached like the thirtieth or the, probably like the thirtieth of December. That was you know, around that time. And when I came back to London in January '91, I said, right, I, I rallied my team around me, the same team that I was using to publish um, this connoisseur guide. And I said to them, look, you know, I don't think it's a good idea. We should continue to publish this guide because I think because we're so dependent on hotel occupancy for our advertising revenue if the allied forces you know go to war with Saddam Hussein to liberate Kuwait um, as that as was a threat at that time I said you know um, air travel is going to be um, is going to fall significantly and that's going to affect hotel occupancy and obviously it's going to affect our advertising revenue which is our sole income mm -hmm. And we can go bust. So I said that you know we've got to quickly repivot and you know come with you know another come with another product. And whilst they were scratching their heads, and I said, "Look, don't worry, team, I've got one." And then I explained the the epiphany I had in Jamaica. But I said I was real about this, and I'm you know let's let's do this. And look, five months later, we had Pride magazine on the newsstands. Literally, that is just incredible. That is just incredible. Literally five months yeah, later. Incredible. We had uh, Pride magazine on the newsstands and within like literally within a few weeks from that, um, we had a magazine that literally um, ha literally had garnered a tremendous amount of publicity that literally went around the globe um, within mm. a week. It was it was literally amazing. Just how you know when something goes viral online. Now, um, we had the equivalent to that with um, a story that we had published in our magazine that Ludwig van Beethoven uh, uh, is black. Um, and of course, that, you know, that was a shock that sent shockwaves throughout to, throughout the uh, mainstream media. And uh, yeah, and they picked up on the story. And yeah. um, I'm talking, you know, not just the day. I'm talking the daily newspapers I, and the radio stations. I remember. Stations I remember the hype. Literally, yeah, and literally around the world picked yeah. up on it, and that was fantastic publicity yeah. for us. And through your time at Pride, is there anything that you learnt about black women? Just being, you know, so close <laughs> to them. I mean, I know you know black women, but you know, anything that surprised you? Anything that you just? Um, yeah, has anything surprised you that that you learned from being in? That's quite a un unique position to hold. Do you know what? Like, so 
I've never had a father, mm. so um, li quite literally. So um, I was raised by my mum and my three sisters, and so um, what I've what I've my early like lessons about black women were you know have been drawn from my mum and my and my three sisters and their friends. Yeah. You know, so by the time I got to so like Pride magazine, I was like I was twenty four years old when I when I had launched so Pride. Um so, yeah, yeah. So my um I guess my um observations of you know um perceptions about women were like, you know, well well learnt by that time. Certainly yeah, yeah, I was twenty four mm. then. But just working with women especially black women you they, what can <laughs> i say um i realize that you know they bring like value to i i, I think women gen I, I think women anyway just bring value to the, you know they bring value to the workplace um purely simply you know because they i think that well i don't think i've seen i've witnessed it and i've experienced it time and time again that they are very, very good at multitasking and they're very good when they're working um, on a team or part of a team or even if they are a team leader. Um, I do recognise the strength that, you know, women bring to the workplace. And I recognised that when I was at Pride magazine with the women that, you know, we were working with. I mean, it, it was largely, you know, a female yeah. team, you know, and uh, you recognise the strength in, um, yeah, and we were working with black women, so you, so obviously you know you recognise the strength you know in that team. But yeah, they were black women. But I, I I've seen that women generally, you know, um, have those qualities. That's, that's beautiful. And and just to finish off, is there anything that you would like to? You've talked about how instrumental your mother was to you, but anything you'd like to say to your mother, or just to the importance of that relationship or anything just to mothers in general, just of, you know, how important that relationship was to you and your development. It really is about relationship, mm. isn't it? You know, like, you know, having that relationship, you know, um, with your children and letting them know that, look, in this relationship, there is a space, you know, and in that space, you know, you can be absolutely vulnerable. You can be open. You can be so. You could tell me. You could say anything to me. You know. Uh, you know. You will not be judged. Mm. You know. Um, you will not be judged. You know. And I will not express my any disappointment or whatever. I'm just going to hear you out and listen mm. to you. You know. And if you and if you invite me to ask you questions, you know, then I will. But just letting them know that they have this space and it's a safe space and they can come into that space with you and talk and share their concerns, share their vulnerabilities. And just because I think they need yeah. that and they need that growing up and they need that, you know, just throughout yeah, life. Really. That space and that safe space to know that you were there and, and you can share anything with me and there is no judgment, just one space that you can come as opposed to, going outside and trying to find these answers or find that security or find um, that support. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
thank you so much for your time and congratulations on the book and the audiobook. I think it's great that you're opening up to, to more viewers and listeners. It's great to hit both generations because there's, there's so much that we can all learn um, from your story and everything that you've been through. So maybe somebody else doesn't have to go through it. You know, we can learn, learn the lessons that took you, um, that you learned the way you did. So just thank you so much for sharing. Um, so opening your book and um, on the podcast, really appreciate it. Nina, you are very much more than welcome. Thank you for having me. Dope Black Moms. If you'd like to join the Dope Black Moms private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Moms on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Moms. Thanks so much for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.